and welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, media and public relations. Morning, Sarah. Good morning, Stephen. So we've got some special news today. I'm going to jump straight into it, even without uh, trailing what we're going to talk about. You've been awarded a CBE in the Queen's Honours. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Astonishing. I have very few Listener words. Sarah Waddington is stuck for words. <laughs> Happens very rarely, but this is an incredible honour. I, I wasn't expecting it. I've spent just over two weeks knowing about it and trying to get my head around it and dreaming it and looking at the paperwork. Uh, and it is super special. And uh, I'm, I'm really quite humbled. And like I say, completely lost for words. Thrilled to bits. And um, I'm just very proud, actually, because if I understand rightly, it's in recognition of the voluntary time I've spent in the last 10 to 15 years, um, both in public relations, but also, um, you know, in setting up Future Proof, but also doing other work, perhaps um, for charities like Sunshine Fund, helping with the organ uh, donation uh, change in law. There's, there's been all sorts, but um, it is very special. And it's actually also quite embarrassing. It's very difficult to now to talk about it without blushing, but maybe I'll get used to that. Listeners, Mrs. Waddington is bright red. Um, I did, I'm not going to let you move on without saying it, it is absolutely incredible for somebody within the public relations industry to be recognised in this way with a CBE, um, you know, is absolutely inspirational. And, you know, we need more practitioners of your calibre who speak out in the way that you do. I know I'm your biggest fan, but I'm also your biggest critic. Um, and, and it's incredible. Congratulations. I hope, you know, over the days to come, we, we well, I know we're going to find plenty of moments to celebrate it. Thank um, you. It's, it is, well, it's quite incredible. And I think the other thing is, I, I do want to say thank you to those who are involved with the process, whoever submitted the application and the, and the supporting letters. It's a very secret squirrel process. I had no idea about it. And so it has been such a surprise. So I am incredibly grateful to those who thought that I would be worthy. And of course, to the committee who decided it, because it is honestly something really hard to get your head around, but something I'm very excited about. And um, one of the things I am excited about it is that it's kind of spurred me on to do more. And it has come at such a wonderful time because um, you and I are just about to launch Socially Mobile. We're finally got it off the ground and I'm thrilled to bits that um, today we'll be able to share the website which is populated with information now sociallymobile.org.uk and um, for those that don't know Stephen and I have been working on this for a little while with a small group of people to whom I'm also incredibly grateful um, just to launch this community ingest com- uh, company to help um, those in the PR industry who are from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and certain um, underserved groups And what it is, in short, is, well, we've changed it, actually. It was going to be quite a traditional charitable model in the beginning. But now it's a training company. And um, we think of it in terms of kind of like an exec education course. And it's an eight-week program for future leaders who are aspiring to a management role returning to work or moving into a new role, maybe, or considering starting their own business. And like I say, so those who haven't got the privileges that many uh, of us may have, but also underserved groups, including our black, ethnic and Asian and minority practitioners, women returners and those with disabilities. And um, I'm really excited to get this up and running. 
say the learning design is one of the most exciting bits for me. We, we, we both identified and I've identified during our, our careers that there is a, a moment in the life cycle of a practitioner's experience where they have all the craft skills, but don't have necessarily the expertise to, to jump to, to management. And so we've specifically designed this learning experience to, to help help tackle that and brought in speakers from across the industry speakers and teachers in fact from across the industry to help guide the the learning experience and deliver lectures and and master classes the website for it if you want to go and check it out is sociallymobile.org.uk but if you know both of us you you won't be able to avoid um, this uh, in, in the coming months. Yeah, we're going to talk about it a lot, aren't we? And the other thing to say is it's uh, we're not just offering free places on the course uh, for those that need it. It's actually going to be open to fee-paying as well, practitioners as well. So um, there will be a lovely diversity of people on the programme. We're planning to open applications this summer to the first cohort. Uh, and shortly, do follow us uh, and the Twitter handle because um, before too long, we're going to be asking for volunteers to help with assessing applications and also marking coursework because of course that the course of that um, eight-week program there is going to be coursework to do but there is more details on the website I hope you really enjoy it and just before we move on to business as usual I do want to go back to the CBE and I said before that it has inspired me to do more and I hope it will inspire others to do what they can too just in the comforts of of what you're able to do I just think that at this moment in society and this is a little bit of a soapbox moment we we can't stand still there's still too much to do to help others um we know that there's massively inequality divides in in many different areas of life right now and everybody who can has to do what they can to to narrow those so it's not enough to pledge support for black, Asian, mixed rate and ethnic minority colleagues. We've actually got to be actively anti-racist. Um, we're such a long way from equality right now. Things like another cause that's close to my heart, Trussell Trust distributed, I think it was something like 2.5 million emergency food parcels last year um, to March of this year. And of course, there are independent food banks too. So it's potential that that number is double. We... If we have influence and we have money, have to work really hard to change these systems and structures that are weighted in favour of a very privileged few. So I guess my little call to action from this is uh, I am thrilled to bits. I'm so privileged and I'm very humbled, but I'm spurred on to do even more. Socially mobile is one way that I will do that and I will look for others too. But I hope it encourages others to, to look for the causes that matter to them. Whatever interests you, play your part, please. And that's it. That's that's me and my little soapbox moment. So let's go on to business as usual because, yes, move on from me. It's, a, it's uncomfortable. Innovation. Should we talk about innovation? Moving swiftly on innovation, yeah. Way to, uh, way, actually an important way and link to, to level up. Um, yeah, absolutely. So there's been research from the National Centre for Universities and Business with the University of Cambridge. And they've published a really interesting report called Innovation and Resilience in a Crisis, the Impact of COVID-19 on Business R&D. Now, this was a survey of um, 500 um, research and development active businesses. And it's really interesting. And it's actually a little bit worrying because apparently the pandemic caused 81% to delay or stop research. And another 77% saw delays to product or service demonstration, testing and or trial production. Now, you might say that's, well, why is that worrying? It's the pandemic, things will get back up to speed. But 
they do need to get back up to speed. Um, if you if you caught the 2021 Queen's speech, innovation in R&D has actually been identified as key if the UK is to strengthen its position as a global science superpower. And obviously that's been set out as, as one of the primary ways in which we could compete globally. So, so it is actually quite critical. So really interesting, but it works really well um, alongside a report that you've published through Wadzink, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, so, so this was a couple of weeks ago now, a, a report of we looked at uh, all the agencies that have, and no doubt there's there's more than 50 uh, that have been started during lockdown over the past 15 months and looked and, and we're trying to spot commonalities so Sophie Smith at the University of Newcastle has been working on this with me trying to spot what's been driving this and the primary driver is we're, we're in lockdown individuals have got time to think about their their career their work their life and how they fit together there's also been upheaval with you know people being put on furlough and um, redundancies and such like so that's the intervention but the, seeing the response to that there's been incredible innovation and so we identified uh, three different areas of, of innovation people bringing different business models bringing different propositions and different services um, to to the market um, that piece of work you can go and check out on on the wads website wads.co.uk and download a copy and you know i'd encourage anyone to to, to read it because it looks specifically about innovation in the pr and comm sector amongst agencies and to its credit i think you know that's going to continue because you know, since we published the report more agencies have come forward we're seeing more agencies uh, launched uh, and you know the the public relations agency market is alive and very very vibrant no, which is great to say. But here's a quick question for you, which I'm just going to chuck at you because it's not on the agenda. Actually, um, that makes an awful lot of sense, bearing in mind another piece of work that you've just done for an organisation in America, isn't it, where you looked at tech stacks. It seems that actually people are using end-to-end tech stacks now, which has helped them innovate as well. Yeah, so, so this was PR Council uh, created a, the, so the equivalent trade association to the PRCA in the US. Uh, they worked with 50 of their agency member agencies and, and got them to share their tech stacks and invited me to, to then draw some conclusions out of that. And the fundamental con- finding was that uh, agencies have used um, the period of lockdown to completely reinvent their, their um, workflow and proposition and their use of tools. So instead of adding tools you know, to, to help address a particular requirement within an agency. They've been re- completely re- rethought. And that's brought out of two things. It's brought out of the fact we're all working virtual. So you need video conferencing, you need virtual platforms, you need messaging and, and such like. But then also to work effectively, you need to use completely modern on systems and tools so it's been a brilliant moment of intervention as well yeah so you're entirely right the two pieces of work work quite well together next on the agenda i've got three words ban nigeria twitter this is over to you <laughs> um the nigerian government banned twitter on friday night um so the platform's been uh, been um, removed mobile operators and telecom operators have been instructed not to not to serve it to to citizens wow uh, 37 citizens in the the country are reliant on twitter and use it as a means of building community for information for connecting with friends and for working internationally this received a fair amount of attention in the international press but also through uh, one of my clients phm uh, who's an agency based in lagos 
uh, you know, it, we've recognised it's it, it's an absolute critical issue that you know the government can governments can shut down a platform. This happened because Twitter removed a tweet shared by um, shared by the president on Friday. We're encouraging BHM. We're encouraging the the um, government to to sit down with with Twitter and, and other key stakeholders because you know removing such a substantive part of the social media ecosystem clearly isn't good for dialogue in the public sphere clearly isn't good for for media uh, and democracy and you know it has implications for beyond that for uh, for the country's reputation and the reputation of Africa no absolutely wow well that's going to be one worth watching and see what happens next okay let's talk about actually this relates to twitter um brand watch customer loyalty report Really good read. It's worth picking up, actually. It's published in partnership with DWI, and this brings together um, social data and survey data from both the US and UK. And what they have done is try to understand the key factors that retailers should be aware of in 2021 and beyond. And in this report, there are two clear findings. The first is that the volume of social media posts that detracted from top retail brands last year was 20% higher than those that suggested loyalty or advocacy. And what's interesting about that, if you're a retailer and wondering how do you engage successfully and, and what do customers want? Well, the biggest issue that customers had with brands was related to delivery. And the biggest driver of advocacy, perhaps not surprising, was affordability. So yeah, worth a read if you're a retailer looking at issues and wondering how to solve them, because um, obviously other people are looking at that too. So it could be um, really use, uh, useful to take a look. Just comment on that. As we emerge from lockdown, there, there is, there's been a huge burst of energy around uh, organisations publishing reports and insight on this incredible period of time. And it, it does strike me that it's an incredible time for both disruption and innovation as you've spoken about already but also for learning so you know we've got karma published a report on the rollout of the vaccine in 10 markets around the world great piece of work yeah brilliant piece of work you know leaders that were hesitant led to citizens in markets with not trusting the vaccine you know (laughs) no shit but it shows the importance of of good governance right um the offcom online nation report's just been brand watch as as you suggest uh publishing the ons economic review that's one you signposted the ons report actually uh karen charter pointed at me in that direction talking about management interventions that have resulted in innovation and growth during this incredible time so your point is it's a rich rich time for for knowledge and learning it is it's also a rich rich time for bad bad behavior and so let's come on to ethics because (laughs) i've got three stories that i want to highlight just as pretty bad practice um Basically, the first one has been out there a little while now. You may know the story. West Midland Trains sent two and a half thousand staff an email um, offering them a bonus. And when they clicked through, it wasn't in fact a bonus. It was um, basically some kind of lesson and teaching them that fraud could very easily happen. You've got to be very careful with what, what links you click. Um, that's one example of really bad behavior by an organization. I mean, if you care about your workforce and you care about trust and reputation, I just would love to know who was in the room when that decision was taken. That, that's one example. Um, the post office 
Ah, oh, the post office. I mean, this is one that's been cl- cl- close to our heart, hasn't it? Because your parents ran a post office for years. And thank God. I mean, every time I listen or to more of this story or read more about it, I just think how close they might have come to, to having their lives ruined, like hundreds and thousands of other people. Post office launched an accounting system. I think it was back in the 80s. It had floors from the off. And they, different departments, different people knew about this. What happened though was rather than dealing with them, they just patched the floors, but uh, individual post office masters and mistresses, as they were known at the time, uh, were being called in and put into investigation for fraud and resulting in private prosecutions, people ending up in prison, losing their homes, all sorts of horrific stories. And um, really, it's only the depth and scale of it and the horror it's only just coming to light at the moment. And I think this is probably the biggest corporate scandal in, in recent history, if not the biggest. And then finally, <laughs> this is not the first of its kind, and it certainly won't be the last, but this stinks to, in my personal opinion as well. The CEO of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, some people will know them as RICS, recently sparked fury after accepting a six-figure bonus despite during the pandemic making wide-scale redundancies and accessing the government's furlough scheme. Now, their positioning is about delivering confidence through respected global standards. I just, again, wonder what they were actually thinking. I appreciate that shareholders have agreements in place, but if your business benefited from a government intervention, I just think the optics of big shareholder payouts is just not a good look. So if you want to look at what the good looks like, Asda, uh, in announcing its last set of results, announced that it was paying back the uh, money it got from the government in terms of interventions. As a result, got hammered by um, investors and its CEO said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm here for the long term and I'd rather rather run a, a you know an ethical company than, than one for the benefit of the shareholders. So we've been listening to, haven't we, the Greengrocer on podcast uh, with Richard Walker from Iceland. And I think this move to longer term thinking is so to be welcome now. Richard says very categorically, we're a privately owned company. We're also here for the long term we can make decisions and because we're smaller than the giants we can be more agile but he talks about the cost and the complexities of making key decisions that are good for the environment the cucumber metaphor you go on you explain you love this metaphor hit us with it i just so so, so richard in the book <laughs> explains the complexity of global supply chains in the context of a cucumber you know it, it seems madness that we shrink wrap cucumbers or he says it's madness it seems seem madness to him that iceland did yet if you don't then you have issues with how long the the shelf life will last uh, and also with carriage and you know you're offsetting all these complexities of shelf life with um with increasing delivery to stores so you've got you've got uh, air miles and travel miles haven't you and he talks about how everybody if you survey them will say yes they're willing to put 10 pence on their shop to have more ethical um, environmentally sustainable packaging but ultimately when it comes down to it they people can't necessarily afford it and they vote with their feet so it's, it's anyway it's a fascinating read but these are people who are looking at the bigger problems looking at society's wicked problems and seeing what they can do and they're saying we're doing what we can that's in our wheelhouse where we have control and I think that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier in terms of everybody can do their bit, do what interests you and just make the small steps that you can. Because if we all do tiny things, that actually leads to quite incremental, large scale change. 
tiny commitment that I've made is is I've signed up wanting to the Better Business Act. Um, so the Better, Better Business Act is campaigning for a change to the Companies Act. At the moment, the Companies Act stipulates that directors must serve the interest of their shareholders as their, their only sole stakeholder. It asks for commitment to the environment and to 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 society um i'd urge you to go and check it out and sign up to it not just that though wads wads inc has joined astute um dot work and also curzon pr huge thank you to farzana baduel and her team in basically helping finance the startup of socially mobile so i'm I'm also very grateful for that and i think that's a wrap and i think that brings us to the end it is a wrap um i just wanted to say once more um, thank you everybody for their support thank you for this wonderful honour thank you for continuing to stick by the Future Proof podcast we hope you're still finding it useful and um, we look forward to catching up next time thank you for listening to the Future Proof podcast with Sarah and Stephen Waddington you can follow Sarah on Twitter at Mrs underscore Wads and Stephen at Wads for more information about Future Proof visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk Until next time, see you on the internet.